Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. It's your boy Johnny Clutch discussing the latest sports news and giving hot takes on the sports that I love. There's been one underrated NBA story that I'd really like to touch upon here. Uh, let's first flash back to 2013 when the Brooklyn Nets probably made the worst trade in the last decade where they gave up three first round picks to the Boston Celtics for an aging Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Jason Terry. Now, this is no knock on those players. I mean, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett are Hall of Famers. Jason Terry was a very good role player during his time. But the Brooklyn Nets gave up a lot in that trade to be, what, a second-round team for one season? It was a disaster of a trade. The only way it would have been worth it for the Nets is if they won a championship with their team. And they weren't even come close to that with LeBron James and the Big Three in Miami. I guess I can see why they did it. I mean, they just made the move to Brooklyn, and they probably just wanted a good team right away to get fans going to the games. I have to think that would be the reason. But still, they really mortgaged away their f- future in that trade. Heck, even Paul Pierce said it himself. It was his gift on his way out of Boston. The Celtics were able to use those picks on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and they were also able to use one of those picks as an asset in a trade to acquire Kyrie Irving. Now back to Brooklyn. They are now 8-2 in their last 10 games and now are the 6th seed in the Eastern Conference. You know, I feel this rebuild they've had the last few seasons is very impressive considering the limited resources that they've had. Everyone talks about the Sixers' great rebuild, but you know they had the luxury of being you know a, like a top five pick for many years, and the Sixers had a lot of whiffs, you know, and a lot of busts that they picked. You know, just going for them right now: Nerlens Noel, Jaleel Okafor, currently Markel Fultz. Yeah, they hit on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but eventually they're going to get some good players of those picks. I feel the Nets' rebuild has been a lot more impressive. Because when you have you know limited resources and you're not picking the top five every year, added on to the fact that your team is terrible, you have to swing some draft day trades and you have to find some diamonds in the rough. Now, imagine being a fan of a 20-win team. Imagine being a Knicks fan this year. You know they're probably the worst team in the league, or a or if you're a Cavs fan, you see how terrible those teams are. I, I doubt they get 20 wins. And imagine not having a first-round pick. You know that was the Brooklyn Nets for you know a few seasons. And even with their limited picks and all that, they found some very good players. Joe Harris, he spent two years in Cleveland, played 50 games for him, was an absolute nobody. Now Brooklyn picks him up, and he's turned into a very good player. Spencer Dinwiddie was on Detroit for a couple years. You know he was a cast-off. Now all of a sudden he's a Six man of the year candidate. They were able to get Jarrett Allen late in the first round, and it seems like every week he's blocking another big name player at the rim. And they also made a draft day trade for Karis Levert, who I thought before he got injured was the best player on the Brooklyn Nets. And I really thought that they were going to fall out of playoff contention because he was going to miss a lot of time. I said right out at the time if Brooklyn wants to stay afloat, D'Angelo Russell has to pick his game up to an all star level, and he has. And it'll be interesting to see when Karis LeVert comes back as if him and D'Angelo Russell can both play at a high level when they're on the floor together. And this Nets team is tough, gritty, and well-coached. Now, I'm not going to go on a limb and say that they would win a first-round matchup with someone, but they're going to be a tough out. They play hard every night, and it's going to be a battle for whoever plays them in the first round to get four games off of them. And I also feel Kenny Atkinson deserves a lot of consideration for Coach of the Year. And it's not just about this year. It's about the couple years before this as well that he's had to develop these young players. And this year we're finally seeing the results from it. So when you're talking about good rebuilds and teams building the right way, don't leave the Brooklyn Nets out of that conversation. 
They are doing a great job down there. And honestly, if I'm a big-name free agent, I wouldn't mind giving Brook the Brooklyn Nets a look. There are a lot worse situations than that. They got a lot, a lot of money on the salary cap, and they already have good players in place with a good coach. Next up, a story I'm a kind of tired of seeing, and that's Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony just got traded from the Houston Rockets. I, honestly, I didn't know he was actually still officially part of the Rockets, but he was just traded to the Chicago Bulls in exchange for cash considerations. Listen, I'm hearing about all this talk about Carmelo going to the Lakers and all that. I just don't see a fit. I, I Carmelo is done, in my opinion. What is What did Carmelo do even in his prime? And that was all he did was score. And he scored very well. I'm not taking that away from him. Carmelo in his prime was one of the best scorers in the game. But he can no longer score at a top level anymore. So what else does he do for you? He doesn't defend. Doesn't rebound the ball very well. And I can't say that he would be one to be accepting of a bench role. In the past couple years, you've had the Knicks not want him. You've had Oklahoma City Thunder not want him. You've had the Houston Rockets not want him. I mean, who's the common denominator here? All these delusional people that say Melo can still play are just that. They're delusional. Now, I know it's tougher when you know some people have to admit that their favorite player is finally done. Now, listen, I know the feeling. Steve Nash was my favorite player growing up. But it was hard see and it was hard seeing those last few years when his back was acting up. He just wasn't the same player anymore. But you just I just admitted it after a while that he was never gonna be the same player. I wish he would have never went to the Lakers. I just wish he just would have retired a Phoenix Sun. And at this point, Carmelo is this is just looking bad on his on his legacy. He's become a laughing stock around the league, and at one point he was a great player, but now a lot of people are gonna remember him this way instead of the player that he was. You know, in 2009, 2010, when he got the Nuggets to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, it was obvious to me he wouldn't work in Oklahoma City. You already had Russell Westbrook and Paul George on the team who are going to take a lot of shots. How does Melo really help out with that sort of team? He doesn't really play defense. All he's going to want is more shots. He's just going to want his own shots. And that's going to take away from Paul George and Russell Westbrook, who are better players than him. It's going to take away from their shots. And Russell Westbrook... You know, you're dribbling down the court. He's got to worry about involving the rest of his team and getting his own points. You know, why should he go to Carmelo when him and Paul George are way better players than him? I mean, maybe if it was 2009 Carmelo Anthony, yeah, of course you want to factor him in. You know, you go out of your way to factor him in because he was that lethal of a score. And I would have bet my life early this year that I knew Carmelo wasn't going to work with the Rockets. You know, I'm a Knicks fan and I saw... Mike D'Antoni and Carmelo not get along at all in New York. D'Antoni even admitted that Carmelo made him want to quit in New York. The only reason the Rockets got him was because Carmelo was friends with Chris Paul, and Chris Paul probably somehow sold a Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni, hey, let's give it a shot, let's see how it works. And I think it was agreed upon the whole time that you know they would run through it for you know minor portion of the season. If it was working, they were going to stick with it. If it wasn't, they're going to part ways, and that's exactly what happened. And if you think that if the Lakers really wanted Melo, don't you think they would have gotten him by now? They would have had a chance to get him in the offseason. I think they would have got him in the offseason over Houston if Melo had the option. There's no way Carmelo Anthony wanted to play for Mike D'Antoni again. He only went there with his cut because he was friends with Chris Paul. And he had no other option available to him. I don't think Magic Johnson wants Carmelo Anthony. I don't think Rob Polinka wants Carmelo Anthony. Does LeBron want him? Maybe, 
the same LeBron that can pull strings to get pl- the players that he wants. I mean, look at earlier this year. He's he said something about he sped up the you know trade process to get Tyson Chandler. Do you think if he really wanted Carmelo, the Lakers would have had him by now? Now, do I think that LeBron thinks that Carmelo is done? I mean, I'm not 100% sure. And you also see the Lakers. I think I saw a report you know, yesterday saying, oh, if a roster spot becomes available, they'll sign Carmelo Anthony. That's a nice way, I think, of Magic Johnson and Rob Plinka saying, you know what, we, we really don't see a fit here. We really don't want it. But let's make it look good in the media to LeBron that, oh, yeah, we would try to get Carmelo if the opportunity presented itself. I honestly would have respected Melo a lot more if he just came out tomorrow in a press conference, retired, and just said, I can't play at the level I want to play at anymore. I don't want to be a bench player. That's not me. I'm done. I would respect that a lot more. At least you're not going on a team pouting about wanting more time and wanting to be the focal point of the offense when you're obviously not the player that you used to be. Or, hey, Melo, if you want your ring, I'd rather just have him just go to the Warriors. Average eight points a game on the bench, get your ring, and... Be done with it. I'm just sick of the story. I see him get traded from team to team. The Hawks had him for like two weeks, and they traded him because of salary cap reasons to the Rockets. The Rockets don't want him. He has traded the Bulls for salary cap reasons. The Bulls don't want him. They just got him for salary cap reasons. I'm just sick of seeing it. And I'm sick of the delusional people that think that Melo can still make a great contribution on a championship team. I don't know how much more proof these people need to see. You know, an old washed-up Melo that shoots mid-range jumpers the whole game, shoots contested threes, all that, and struggles to shoot 40% from the field just isn't what the NBA wants anymore. To add on to that, he's never been a good defender, even in his prime, and he definitely isn't going to turn into one all of a sudden now. And there's finally a hope a conclusion comes to all this Carmelo stuff because uh, it's just a story I'm just tired of seeing. And I just don't even think it's really a debate anymore. On to a big story that just came out of Memphis recently. Mike Conley and Marcus Sauer are both going to be on the trading block for this upcoming trade deadline on February 7th. I think they're both good players. I just feel it's going to be hard to find a trade marker for these guys when they have big contracts on them and they're not getting any younger. Mike Conley is 31 and Marcus Sauer is 33. Mike Conley is averaging a salary of $30 million per year and Marcus Sauer is on $25 million. Do I think they can still be useful to teams? Absolutely. But that's a lot of money to be spending on them. However, I got a couple teams for each of these players that I feel will be nice fits for them. First off, we'll start with Mike Conley. Mike Conley, I've always felt, has been a very underrated point guard. He's, he's a little more old school than what you see nowadays. He tends to like a slower paced game more than a fast paced game. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's still some teams that can really use his services. I think uh, one team in particular that could use him as the Indiana Pacers. I feel I feel uh, that's a good system for him. They play at a slower pace, like the Grizzlies. I feel he's an upgrade over Darren Collison, and he'd be a nice second option to Victor Oladipo late in games. Another team that I feel would be a good fit for Mike Conley is Detroit Pistons. I just feel a Reggie Jackson experiment in Detroit has gone south this year. He's averaging 14.1 points per game and under and is shooting under 40% from the field for the Pistons this year. Those are all lows for him ever since he came to Detroit. And in their most recent game, he was losing a lot of minutes to Jose Calderon, of all people. I just was never really a fan of Reggie Jackson, to be honest. There were times where I would say, when I was watching their games, and I'd say, I think Ish Smith's a better option for them. Anyways, I feel Mike Conley would be a good fit for Detroit. He's someone that can really set the offense. A lot of times, Blake's bringing the ball up and down the court. 
I feel Conley can take some of that burden off of Blake, especially late in games. He also could be very good with Drummond in the pick and rolls and Blake in the pick and rolls as well. The Pistons are currently two games out of the last playoff spot in the East, so maybe Mike Conley can be a good piece to get them over that hump. Next up, we have Marc Gasol, another old-school type player, but I feel a couple of teams could really use him. The one team at the time I think has a really good chance of getting them, and I think it's a great fit, is the, is the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets currently have Cody Zeller, they have Vizmac Biamo, and Willie Hernan Gomez as their three centers. They all offer different skill sets to the table, but it seems like they're all lacking something. Hernan Gomez is terrible on defense, and ironically, Hernan Gomez does remind me a lot of a young Marcus Saul, but he just really hasn't been able to develop his game defensively, even though he's very good on the offensive side of the ball. And you have Bisbeck Miumbo, who's the complete opposite. He's really good on the defensive side, but he can't score anything but a dunk. And Cody Zeller isn't bad. You know, not good, not great. Just not really something that really jumps out at you. Marcus Gasol will definitely, definitely be a big upgrade over him in the starting lineup. I feel him and Kemba would be a nice duo in pick and rolls and even pick and fades. Gasol's three-point shot has gotten a lot better the last couple of seasons. Charlotte is currently eighth in the East right now, and you know getting Marcus Gasol could help them stay in the playoffs. Another team that I feel will be a good fit for Marcus Gasol is the San Antonio Spurs. Now, it would be kind of tough for the Spurs to make this trade. I don't know even if they would want to. I'm just going based off the fit here because they already have big contracts on the books with DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. So I don't know what kind of deal they would have to swing here, but this would be a good fit for Marcus Gasol. As we all know, Pop is still pretty old school, and he still will go in the post a lot of times. Him, Aldridge, and DeRozan honestly doesn't sound too bad. It could help the Spurs possibly get into the second round of the playoffs. I don't think they go any farther than that. And Marcus Gasol would also be reunited with his older brother, Powell. But like I said before, it could be very hard to find deals for Conley and Gasol because of their contracts and the fact that they are aging. But I feel it would be very beneficial for the Grizzlies to try as hard as possible to make deals happen for both of them. Because right now the Grizzlies are in no man's land. They're not good enough to make any noise in the Western Conference, and they're not bad enough to get a high lottery chance at one of the top picks in, next, in this year's draft. So I feel it is important and a much-needed step to move on from the era of Gasol and Conley, the era of grit and grind, and start new and fresh, and hopefully get a new young nucleus of talent. I like Jaron Jackson, I'll give him that. He does have to work on his foul woes, but I feel he can be a very good starting piece for the Grizzlies' rebuild. Memphis will never be an attractive destination for free agents, so they will have to build through the draft in the coming years. I'd like to thank everyone that listened to this podcast. Leave comments on whether you agreed or disagreed with the stuff I said during this episode. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes if you like the content. It's your boy, Johnny Clutch. Peace out.